Let's pray together. May your spirit of love, your spirit of compassion, your spirit of harmony, your spirit of unity in the midst of all of our diversity be so poignant and present among us this day, God, that we are changed. Faith should challenge and change us. So may we hear you through through preachers, through sermons, through scriptures, through songs, through silence, through the community gathered. May we hear you and may we be willing to call you our Father, our Heavenly Parent. Hear us now as we employ the words Jesus taught the first disciples as together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Well, if you're a regular at Highland Baptist Church, you, you know that our uh, sermons usually have a title, and you may have noticed that there's no title to this sermon. I just want you to know that I did not forget that I was supposed to preach while I was away this week, uh, but my sermon was sort of formed on the go. Um, it's great to be away and to, to, to get away, but it's just... Uh, there's no gift quite like coming back to Highland and, and being back with the people that uh, I'm called to, to pastor and love and serve. So uh, while I was away, um, I, I heard, I was at a Richard Rohr, Terry and I were at a Richard Rohr conference, and we heard some of the most incredible speakers I've ever heard. If there's any way any of our community could, could join us next year, uh, it's just an incredible experience. We also had hours and hours. We drove from Louisville to Albuquerque and through Texas and back, and we never once turned on the radio or the CD player. We just talked the whole time. So I've got a million sermons to deliver uh, in, in, in the coming days and weeks. This sermon, though, is a little, a little different because it comes really by way of Facebook. And if I had a sermon title uh, for this uh, sermon, it might be something like One Man's Birthday Wish. One man's birthday wish. I'm not much of a Facebook uh, reader of news feed, you know, what other people post. I, I, I sort of do news Facebook like I preach. You know, it's just sort of a one-way thing. I put things on Facebook, but I don't look at what you all do. I'm sorry. <laughs> Terry does. And uh, she, uh, about once a week, will say, well, do you want to hear some of my favorites from Facebook? And they're always great, things that Really, it's almost always people from Highland. You post beautiful and eloquent things. And last week, one of her uh, favorites uh, was Ryan Eller's um, Facebook post uh, that came. He put it up for his birthday. And I thought it was so profound. It was simple and yet deeply spiritual. It was non-judgmental, but it, 
struck such a deep chord with with me that actually I've asked him if he would come and read his post and but then since I want to be paid I, I feel like I need to interject some things so I'll interrupt him from time to time Ryan come please Well, uh, my eyes have been open to the reality that anyone actually reads what I put on Facebook. <laughs> and that's humbling. Here's how I begin. Thank you for your well wishes on my birthday. My parents are to blame. And so let's just take a moment and thank Ryan Eller's parents for giving birth to him. <laughs> Because this is a great guy. I don't know if you know Ryan and Laura, his, his uh, spouse, are both, both Wake Forest Divinity graduates. But uh, Ryan has committed his ministry to working with people uh, who are struggling with the immigration issues in our country. He works for a, a group called Define American. And he, he's passionate about it. He lives and breathes it day and night. And so please thank your parents, brother. I will. I will, thanks. There's one thing I want. There's only one thing I want for my birthday this year. Stop killing one another. Well, I looked for that uh, at Target, and they did not have it. Uh, I've not been able to find it online or in any catalog. It's, It's kind of an odd request because I know that your Facebook friends and these people we're talking to today aren't killers, And yet, your request suggests that we're part of this world and we have to take some responsibility for the world as it is. Even if we're not the ones pulling triggers, we're still part of this. Somewhere along the line, we forgot that our Creator placed a light in each one of us. Well, I'm not sure we forgot it, or maybe we really don't believe that. What do you, do you believe in? That God's placed a light in every person? Even people who look and think and act and smell and, and believe differently than we do? Uh, that we really are our brother and sister's keeper? As God said to, or as, as Cain asked God and the, that question echoes through the centuries? Yeah, we are our brother's keeper. That light isn't extinguished when we become a part of a particular political persuasion, faith group, or community. In fact, it often shines brightest for those who are poor or face marginalization. I'm going to stop and tell a quick story that happened to me uh, on our uh, return to Louisville. We stopped in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas to spend the night. We always stay at a Hampton Inn. We always know what it's going to be like. It's usually pretty predictable. Um, it's very quiet. But this Hampton Inn in, in North Little Rock was actually uh, a little bit bigger, had a bigger lobby area. And we noticed when we got in about 9 or 10 at night uh, that it was full of people talking, having a good time. It felt like almost a party. We went to our room. The next morning when I came to breakfast, 
there was this group of people. They were all gathered, having breakfast, talking and laughing. I noticed they all had on the same T-shirts. So I went up to a woman who was maybe 10 years older than me, and I said, what, what is this? She said, oh, this is the McDowell family reunion. We've been doing this for 30 years. In different cities we meet, and uh, we come from all parts of the country, and we just spend uh, three or four days together. I said, well, that's, that's really uh, a beautiful idea. I said, um, do you all know much about your family's history? She said, yeah, as a matter of fact. She said, uh, I'm from Mariana, Arkansas, just up the road, and my great-great-great-great-grandmother was a slave in Mariana, Arkansas. Really? You grew up in the same town where your grandmother, great-great-grandmother, was a slave? Yeah. Cotton? She said, oh yeah, cotton. Picking cotton. Well, that just opened up a whole can of worms for me, as you know. I said, I told, said something about the half has never been told, this book that our church read together. She said, oh, I've heard about that book. I got, I, I, for some reason, I just, as I tend to do, I have diarrhea of the mouth, and I just started talking, and I'm sort of the John Boehner of preachers, so I, a tear starts coming down my face. And she says, baby, why are you crying? And I said, well, it's just not fair. It's just so, I'm just so ashamed, frankly. And, and I know that doesn't help anything, but I'm feeling, I get it. For the first time in my life, I get it. And she grabbed me and hugged me and said, you don't have to cry. God's got this. Ryan's right. The light sometimes shines in those who are marginalized or those who... Uh, have had experiences that I've not had. We have allowed those with an agenda of monetary gain and division to possess our minds with fear. So much so that we sometimes avoid even speaking with members of our own family. We act as if the identity of being conservative or liberal is stronger than the bond of being family, of being neighbor, of being a fellow human. Let's end the addiction to thinking we are simplistic beings, only capable of being police versus activist, hmm. Republican versus Democrat, evangelical versus Muslim, immigrant versus native. Now, I'm not diminishing the issues we face, but asking that we take steps towards one another rather than away from one another. That's when I knew, when Terry read that line to me, that's when I knew we need to hear this, especially on a Sunday when we're reading Luke's version of the, uh, the Lord's Prayer which begins with just a single word, Father. Matthew adds our, our Father, but Father, which doesn't mean God's a male. It means God's our source, and God's the connection, and God always has humanity's best interest at heart so that when we're called by Jesus to love one another, it's not just about following rules and being nice. 
It's about how we're called, how we were created to live in harmony, not in conflict. So I simply ask you, on my birthday, to take 10 minutes for yourself. And here's where I want you to actually take out a piece of paper or pencil or your smartphone or whatever, because I want you to write some ideas or words or names down. Yeah, thank you. Please, please make noise as you um, do that. And all you kids who are always on your smartphones during church, you just follow right along. Unplug from the addictive and flashy delusion that we can solve our problems if only a certain group no longer existed or were relocated to another land so we no longer had to be neighbors. The notion that uh, somehow if we vanquish our foe, the world will be better is a false idea a false proposition that has been tried again and again and again and again and again and again. And it's time to do something different. And I think that's the invitation of Jesus from 2,000 years ago when he came back from the dead. When, it, when the risen Christ appeared to them, his first words to them were, Peace be with you. It's, we're not just talking about happiness. We're talking about harmony. It's possible. Jesus said it was If he hadn't told us it was possible, we wouldn't try it. But he said it's possible. So let's think about what it might mean for us. Unplug from the noise. Look at a mountain, a seascape, or into the eyes of an innocent child or furry friend. And experience in that moment the very face of the divine winking at you. And pouring a new breath into your spirit. That is the spirit of love. Okay, my first thing I want you to write down is the person or place or moment when you feel God winking at you. Can you write something down? Where is that for you? If you need, if you need a little of that God winking, um, we'll take you to the nursery. You can hold one of those kids. I often wonder, why, why does my wife uh, work in the nursery? I know why. She wants to make sure at least one or two or three times on a Sunday morning she sees God. And if she holds one of those babies, she'll see God. Um, well, if y'all, y'all getting yours down, write it down. If you don't have one, make an appointment to see Nina or me or Lauren or Renee or some. Corey this week. Uh, This week we were uh, walking in the woods and about 25 feet in front of us uh, a little deer was right in the path. And the deer looked at us and we looked at the deer and I'd say it was two or three minutes we stood there just looking at each other and taking it in and I can't speak for the deer but I know that we experienced the wink of God and it was sacred. Take time. That's what our lives are about. Take time. And loving isn't easy. Yeah. In fact, it's tougher than hate. But it's far more liberating and lasting. 
Loving doesn't ever eliminate the discomfort. Instead, it tries to almost embrace the discomfort and invite God into that work of love. So here's the challenge for you and me, and this is the second name or person or group that I want you to write down. Who do you need to love? And I want you to make this personal. In your life, who is it that you need to love, that you're having a hard time loving? Write that name down. If you, if, if you, if you struggle, start with whatever political person represents what you're afraid of. Maybe it's Hillary Clinton. Maybe it's Donald Trump. Maybe it's Mitch McConnell. Maybe it's John Yarmouth. But those, we don't know them personally. Who do you know? that you need to love. I'm tired. I'm scared. Amen. I'm worried my body won't be healed enough and prepared for the possibly tough road ahead in this volatile season of American culture. I worry that my brain won't be sharp enough and my heart big enough to do all that's necessary during this moral crossroads our nation is experiencing. So I worry that, on the one hand, I'm going to give in to despair, which is another form of presumption that says, in essence, God is done. We just give up. The other other, uh, extreme that I, I worry about is if I feel like I've got to make this thing make my point of view work, that I'm going to get out there and fight and, and, and argue and write op-eds and write, preach political sermons that take one side or the other. And that's, that's so tempting. But I love Ryan's suggestion that you'll hear in a moment because I think it is one of the keys to the kingdom of God. So please do this one thing for me on my birthday to lessen our collective loads. Rekindle a friendship or reconnect with a family member who, if you're honest, you've loved a little less because someone somewhere told you they were the enemy. That's the person on your list. Who is it that you is in your life, in your world, that you feel estranged from because of politics or because of some other issue that now has you estranged and divided. Um, Talk about how to love one another. Build a bridge that helps tear down a wall. I'm going to ask you to write those two sentences down. Will you repeat them, please? Talk about how to love one another. Talk about how to love one another. Build a bridge that helps to tear down a wall. Here's the thing about a bridge. A bridge connects two places or people that are separated from each other. But the good news is here, we don't really have to build the whole bridge. The bridge has already been built. Uh, the, The way has been shown. Jesus said, I'm the way and the truth. He wasn't talking about him as an individual. He's talking about this way of self giving, relentless. Uh, love that that bridge has already been built. All we have to do is connect to the bridge. 
and we can find our way to the other side and find that harmony. It's, it's like the big four bridge over the Ohio that we all know about. They, the, the bridge sat there for decades unused because it had been an old train bridge, uh, the big four uh, railroad company. And when they, when they finished using it, they just tore off the ends. But the bridge, as we all know, sat over the Ohio River until the people of Kentucky and Indiana said, we're going to connect to the bridge. And now we can get to each other. We can walk and connect to each other. Uh, What would that mean in your life? Your job is not to take care of the Indiana side of the bridge if you're a Kentucky person. Or the Kentucky side of the bridge if you're an Indiana person. Your job is to take care of your side of the bridge. How will you connect so that God can do the rest, bring the healing. I'm so incredibly thankful to have been born in this time. As volatile as it may be, I get to be here with you. And together, we get to create something special if we are willing. And that's the question. Are you willing? Are you willing to change the conversation, at least your end of the conversation? Are you willing, and I'm talking to myself here, am I willing to stop demonizing the people on the other side and start asking questions that, that humanize them, that ask, why do you think that way? What, 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 what causes you to come to this conclusion? To find those places where there's Common ground. Because, you know what? There's got to be common ground. There's got, there is common ground. We just got to find it. My friend Kyle Childress was talking to uh, some of the um, marketing folks and editors at uh, a national magazine called The Christian Century. It's a, it's a weekly journal, a uh, bi-weekly journal that, that comes out of Chicago that many pastors subscribe to. Kyle asked the managing editor and the marketing editor, um, who is an author, who is the author that you would guess bridges the gap, creates that common ground? Who's the person that's most widely read by all people? And I'm thinking, you know, maybe N.T. Wright, or I don't know who it's going to be. But you know what their answer was? Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry's an author uh, in Kentucky, up in Port Royal. He's uh, an essayist, he's a novelist, he's a poet. Uh, I think he's a prophet of God. And as soon as he said that the the author most widely read is Wendell Berry, I thought, of course. Because I think I've told you all the experience that I've had of, uh, I'm I'm a Wendell Berry reader, uh, and... um, One day someone sent me a review of one of uh, Wendell Berry's new books called Hannah Coulter. It was a great review, great summation of it. And it was written by Russell Moore, who for many years was the number two person at the Baptist Seminary here on Lexington Road. I used to refer to him as Al Mohler's pit bull because he was sort of his attack dog. Um, But... Russell Moore liked Wendell Berry. And I liked Wendell Berry. 
And I know you've heard the story, but I'm praying one morning and I feel God say to me, and I don't hear this, I'm not one of those weird people, but I, okay, I am, uh, but um, I don't often hear this, but it felt like out of nowhere, something in me said, you need to write a note to Russell Moore. So my, my laptop was right beside me. I just pulled it down. I had no idea what his um, email address would be, but I just put in kind of almost to say, this isn't going to work, but I'll do it. I'll just put rmore at sbts.edu. And I put, Russell, someone sent me your um, uh, review of, of Wendell Berry's book. I thought it was a wonderful review. Joe Phelps. I hit send and... It was uh, probably five minutes later that this very important man writes me a long email back thanking me for affirming his note and suggesting that we get together and talk. And I don't know if you know that until he moved to Nashville, we met every other month and talked about things of faith, things we hold in common, things that are good and beautiful and real and rich and true. And that's what we're called to do is be open to building those bridges to connecting and finding that common ground that God has for all of humanity. Well, Ryan ended the question, his, his reflection with the phrase, if we're willing. And this is where the sermon ends, but not really. It's where we invite the sermon to be completed by your response. I hope you've made some notes. I hope you've made some resolves in your own heart. But as we sing hymn number 96, it's an invitation for us to walk as children of light and to commit our lives again to this way, this truth, this life. As we stand, we'd welcome people to come be part of what God is doing here at Highland Baptist Church. Let's stand together.